welcome to 12 Hello. Questions. This is Anna Valenzuela, and I am awake. Uh, this is all going good. Who's procrastinating? Who's ass deep in a seventh step that's killing them? I don't know. It could be me, but I'm very excited to get out of the voices screaming at me in my own crazy head and introduce my co-host, the fabulous, the wonderful, the very cheerful Mr. Dave Yates. Oh, so cheerful. <laughs> sunshine. Uh, I felt uh, like a personal attack. Uh, but, you know, that's the best way to start a recovery podcast is with a hot resentment. But, but good to be here, guys. When do you not Happy come here with here. a resentment? <laughs> uh, good to be sober today. Uh, I'm going to read that clarity statement because that's the next part. Welcome to 12 Questions. We believe that growth and recovery isn't just for clean and sober people. Our mission is to share our experiences with guests who do the same. We're not affiliated with AA, NA, or any other 12-step organization. 12 Questions has absolutely no opinion on the use of drugs or alcohol by anyone. We're simply two people that happen to be in recovery that want to give hope to anybody who's struggling. Although some of our guests may be clean and sober, some of them are not or choose not to divulge. The purpose of the podcast is to learn more about ourselves and others. We only hope that you can learn something about yourselves by listening. I love it. I love it. Every time you read it, I'm like, this podcast, she's such a grown-up now. I'm so excited <laughs> for her. I'm so excited for her. That's why, so if anybody comes for us, we have a clarity statement. That's our, that's our, that's our don't sue us. I love or, it. or don't yell at me in a meeting, you old craggy old timer. <laughs> I love it. I love it. And you are hearing just the beautiful giggles and of our guest. Now, because we respect anonymity so much, we let our guests introduce themselves. Who are we speaking with today? I'm Melanie. Hello. Hey. Hey. Yes. yes. I can't believe we're doing this. Uh, it's been so many years. It's, you're one of those people that like, every time I talk to you, I'm like, why Why have I not interviewed this beautiful <laughs> angelic woman? Oh. You you have a joke about um, your par parents in the 80s not knowing where their children were. Oh yeah. Having to have, uh, yes, like having to have a, a, a commercial being like, it's 10 o'clock. Do you know where your children are? Yeah, it's that, a real thing. Everyone can Google it. You can watch it. It's I, I remember when you when I first heard that joke, I was instantly six years old and I was just this weird latchkey kid. Just like watch it. I just got finished watching, you know, um, let's say uh, I was a big fan of 2020. I was a child. Sure. Who was a fan of oh my God. You want to know how to grow up to be like an addict? Uh, let your children just watch 2020. Like if they're like really into that, like they're a date. Oh, you have a date. An NBC kid, they're going to use. Um, but like, I, I definitely like had that moment. And uh, I, I, when I heard that joke, I was just like, oh, it just hits me in all the feels. It, every, I love it when a comic tells a joke, and I'm like mad I didn't think of it. <laughs> I'm like, oh, I'm glad that they have it because they're such beautiful people. Oh like, my god! So well, that's funny. an honor. You are incredibly funny and talented, and so you know that that means a lot coming from you. So come on, oh, oh, uh, it's a love fest, Dave. You want to jump in on this love fest? <laughs> no, no, I'm just a surly piece of shit. Just, same, same. Just, just stewing in hot resentments towards the world. 
I, I same, know, same. I don't even know why you let me take part in 12 questions, honestly. <laughs> Dave, because you're the best. Oh, because oh, because you, you bring a stoicism to this podcast that needs to exist. Oh. Like, there's, you are, again, the sweet to my salty. Mm-hmm. Or the salty to my sweet. It all depends on what does it for you, I guess. Um, well, I'll, I'll I'll chime in. I I like Melanie, and I have not known her as long as you have, but we've always run into each other out in these comedy streets. Uh, we yes. Did a, we did a TV show together called Laugh After Dark, uh, which you can watch Melanie have a great set uh, on season two of Laugh After Dark on uh, Prime Video. Same yeah. about you. You had a good set, too. Oh, I know. It didn't sound like it, though. Whoops. What? <laughs> <laughs> Oops. Uh, TV recording is crazy. It's like especially it's when they don't like the audience. Yeah, that was that was kind of a challenge. But here's the thing: it looks, it looks so good. It looks phenomenal. Oh my god! And my friends were like, "Hey, you're on my TV. That's cool." But like, I remember it was like midnight. Oh yeah. And it dropped, and I like I have a nice surround sound, and I started playing it, and I'm just like, "What's wrong with this?" And I turned <laughs> it all the way up, and I'm like, "Motherfucker." So. But uh, but here's the thing the la- I know that the laughs are there and I know that they are uh, I know that their laughs are there for your set I do know that and I do know oh, that oh no, no yeah, yeah I was I was there I know I didn't bother. yes yes <laughs> yeah but it's just like one of those things no one else cares but comedians but it's <laughs> like. I know, I know. Everything in this is perfect sans this. Yeah, I mean, exactly. And I feel like when we're when you're trying to film stuff there, there is truly people don't understand like how many like loops you have to fall through the audience, your performance, the the camera equipment. I mean, I had great that produced it. Oh, my God. Like just just saying so many things can go wrong. And it is it's very the fact that any comedy sets make it to anyone's TV is a goddamn miracle. It's a miracle. Yeah, it was it was super dope. I just I mentioned it because I laugh about it now. (laughs) It it was a kick in the fucking ball sack. Like I stayed up late to watch it drop. And I was just like, I hope no one notices this. But yeah, we're doing it. That, that's surrender, we're doing baby. it. That's surrender. That's surrendering. To yes, me. I, let I it go. Up, I showed up. I put on a nice shirt. I put oil in my beard and I told the jokes. Yes, let it go or get dragged. That's what they say. So. Oh, I love it. I love it. And you also have a self-produced special, correct? I do. Like you, you have it. It's, uh, oh God, it's some animal Wild animal. Wild animal. Yeah. But the same thing, Dave, there were so many things that went wrong and I was literally like going to kill everyone. Well, here's the thing. The the, the, the interesting thing is the version that you see is the second time I had to reshoot it because the first time I lost it to the producers, which is a whole other fucking story of like persistence and continuing to show up and you know, the rage that when people see something on their screen, the fact that it made it to them is a miracle. It's a fucking miracle that anything makes it to anybody. Like it is. Well, and you said something before the pod about valuing yourself. Uh, If you could repeat that, that would be amazing. Like uh, it was something like, yes, you were, you were saying that if you don't, (laughs) If you don't value yourself, how's anyone going to value you? It was something along those lines. Like, I if did. You don't care, <laughs> yes. Oh my gosh. Well, because you're not just you're not just like comedian registered trademark, right? Like you are you are a powerful business person. You have a business that is helpful and of service to creatives, which is amazing, and entrepreneurs, which is amazing. You also are a mother. 
to an adorable child. Oh, he's great. He's uh, so great. Uh, you're 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 a, a a wife, and you're very strong. Like you're a representation of like everything we love here on Twelve Questions. Oh right? my God! Thank you, thank you. So it's it's incredible. Like it's it's just like absolutely incredible. Like you've you've come through the fire, you've done the things, and and there was a fire. I mean. The, the <laughs> Let's like, get into that. Let's get into that. So getting this far, I think that just so people know, it this has been a long, long, hard road. Like, and I and I with with some amazing peaks and successes, but it is long. So, like, buckle in and get comfortable. You know what I mean? So, so I love all, it. After all these years, what does surrender look like to you, Melanie? Oh my God. I always think about the Wicked Witch of the West uh, in the sky where it says surrender Dorothy. And um, mm. uh, I feel like I do not come to surrender easy. Uh, I am wildly resistant. I am. I go to rage and anger first. I go to catastrophizing first. Those are my, those are my favorites. Uh, I know. I, I I feel you. And I I um I go to uh, self loathing, uh, self pity. I go I go really in the shit first. Mm. Uh, and then it has taken me many many years to learn how to climb out of it. Um, I also have to not judge myself during that process because it's going to take what it's going to take. Uh, and I have a lot of uh, transactions in my life that have canonized those things for me. And I have to just know that that's my process. Uh, it's very challenging for me when I reach out to people because it takes me a long time to come around to the peace. Um, and sometimes people are very challenged by that. They're very challenged that I can't just snap out of it and just like, but God's got you. I fucking don't have all that. It does not fucking come natural to me. No. So um, I, stay the I stay the fuck away from those people. Uh, yeah, it is. It's very difficult. And what's hard is that like I can end up saying the same things technically. Yeah. But it's. Yeah. But what's hard about it is that like, and it is very difficult to stand there and witness someone's pain and let them have their experience to mm. be, and not try and change it. Yeah. So when people are, I have to be very careful with who I share my stuff with because then they, they sometimes make me feel even worse. So yeah. the surrender takes a minute for me and I, I've had to learn that. However, I swear to God, I fall for it every single fucking time. I really wish I could tell you that 27 years of recovery, I've like, got this, it's perfect. I don't feel that way anymore. That is just not my experience. Um, it really takes me a minute to get to the point where I go, hey, everything's going to be OK. I actually have a little card in, in our kitchen that just says everything's going to be OK. And it literally helps me like looking at it like I actually have to be reminded. I truly feel like every day is the last day we've taken the brown acid. This is going to stay yeah. like this forever. And that's that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah that's, you know, I have to surrender like I have like what I'm like working with right now is unrealistic expectations. Like I have to not only surrender that things are going to be okay for me, but I have to surrender. Like we were talking about value. I have to surrender the fact that I can't make someone else value themselves. Mm. I can't like, I can't, you know, yell value into someone. Yeah. You know, whether it's a, a person in recovery or... God damn it. Why do you have self-esteem, you piece yeah. of shit? Yeah. <laughs> Literally, literally, I was getting yelled at on social media because I said, hey, comedian, stop doing comedy for free right now. 
and I literally had people coming out of the woodworks. Well, like stage time is stage time. It's like, yeah, well, the the demand is high right now for people who are safe to go out. And maybe you should fucking charge some money for the thing that you do. Dave. I, but, but fuck me in the asshole for thinking we should make money. Dave, I have to tell you, if you have not seen this post, if you're listening to this and you have not been on uh, Yates Comedy <laughs> on Twitter, Instagram, and on Facebook, if you have not watched the drama around that post but you actually made because i live with i live with a, a comic that's like much more alt much more east sidey baby they talking about you on this side of town let me tell you <laughs> you made a splash motherfucker and everyone is at least in my camp in my circles everybody is very proud of what you wrote and i am i i stand it i love it and um it's it was yeah it I, people I one of those those things about unrealistic expectations. I've been saying this to folks throughout the pandemic and meetings. Anytime anyone asks me to speak, I say, if you are bored, please work the steps again. That's all you got to do. And I started doing that. And I am on this. This is Anna Loki telling me I need to work the steps again. No, I'm not. I'm not. I'm 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 on I'm on the seventh step. And what's coming up? What came up for me is a lot about authenticity and boundaries and valuing myself and making decisions in my life and in my career that allow me to avoid the unrealistic expectations. Mm. You know, like going out and finding out who in this town is paying for sets because Zoom has proved to us that you can make money. So mm. if you ain't paying me, uh-uh, unless it's a, call it what it is, it's an open mic. If yeah. You know, put a little money in my pocket. When I used to run a show, I put even if uh, even if I was coming out of have five to budget in your life to pay everyone five to ten dollars, pay them at least for gas. How many times did I I I there was a couple of times I paid kids at the beginning of their careers and they were like, this is the first time I've ever been paid. And I got to say, well, you're a professional comedian now. Congratulations. <laughs> like, what a great feeling. Like, what a great feeling. And it's like, just do that. It doesn't, it doesn't take a lot to, and also have the boundaries as an artist to say, like, yeah, I'd really love to do that. But like, you know, unless you can tell me Conan's bookers are in the front row, I just, I don't know if I can do something for free. My art costs money. Yeah. <laughs> controversial opinion but i you know it's or if you're like my home girl you know what i mean like yeah. sam hale wants me to go do comedy for free standing on broken glass barefoot bitch i will okay <laughs> but like there's you just gotta have you gotta have boundaries you know what i mean and, and I, also too like i feel like you can't it's i was explained to me in earlier recovery that it's harder to bring somebody up on the table as it is for them to pull you down it's easier for them yeah. to pull you down oh yeah yeah it's it's so hard to be like come with me I yeah see oh my god so way for all of us and, so, and people are just con consistently happy in the bullshit yeah. oh my god and you know what let them be because oh, yeah. that's fine for them and i i'm i it's so funny because like i am so challenged of course by whatever anyone's doing, which is why I go to Al-Anon, which is why there's a whole program designed to help me right. stop controlling other people, right? Yeah. However, I really had to be like, you guys, I and here's the thing, my desire is I want everyone to do well. And I'm like, you guys, get in there, do well. But the truth of the matter is I have to let them burn out. And the, I also am like, go get frustrated and get broke and go home because I need more time for me and the people yeah. who I feel like are doing it right, right? So, right. 
when I see sometimes people are doing it and I'm like in a challenging way and I'm like, you know, maybe you just need to have that experience on. I can only handle what I'm doing in this corner of the world where it's like, yeah, I created a show called Make It Rain Comedy where it was like people threw money at us. We swept up the money, split it amongst the fucking comics. Everybody left with a fucking fat stack. I was like, I have to fucking figure out how to make money doing comedy. I'm going to do it in my way, in my little own corner of the world, you know? And it's like, it's very challenging. I can't wait until that show comes back. I've gotten to do it online, but I can't wait <laughs> for that show to come back because I've gotten like really buff in the pandemic and like really been doing a lot of karate and stuff to just go up in my underwear and do a kata would crack me the fuck up. <laughs> well, there's been some behind the scenes. I can't exactly talk about it. Uh, kind of some, uh, hopefully some incredible stuff with Make It Rain. So uh, because I, I feel like it's such a, it's my opinion, but such a great fun show. So Everybody fun. has such a great job. Everybody makes money doing it. Uh, you know, in, in a perfect world, I would love to put together a tour, but we're waiting for this other thing to kind of see if it clicks in. I mean, wouldn't that be amazing to just go to strip clubs across the country and everybody you know with with a group and have fun you know i was i was was a dj at a strip club uh called the kappa cabana in kappa (laughs) illinois sober uh and that's how i uh i i afforded my first uh road comedy car amazing i had had paid off my dui and then i was working (laughs) the night shift uh mondays and sundays the off-peak hours sundays oh girl You have seen some shit, I'm sure. And and the booth was really high in the center of the back of the room. And for a sober person, uh, it was the the easiest job in the world because it's like, I love music and like, I don't care about your titties. So like, I'm I'm, I'm just sitting up there drinking black coffee. It's like some girls like to dance to Marilyn Manson. uh, Some girls like to dance to country. And like, I literally was just like, hey, tell me kind of what you like. And I'll find like, I'll be your your strip club Pandora. It was a good job. And like some of them are still my friends to this day where like pre-pandemic they'll comment because I know all their real names now, but they'll comment on my social media and be like, hey, your friends at church miss you. (laughs) Church? That's so funny. That's so funny. I also love hearing, because I I got sober working in a bar and I don't suggest that to people, but I also know too that like I do feel like we are we choose to not drink or drug today no matter where we're at and i love hearing that you were able to have a fun hilarious job where you could earn at that technically wasn't like a sober you know what i mean like you're able to kind of really is it though you you know there's that part in the book that says if 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 you avoid it you're going to run into some eskimo and you know and they're going to turn up with a bottle and ruin everything like i I was thrust into the things that I loved uh, in early recovery. With 37 days sober, I was at a music festival with uh, my friend who had eight years at the time who was part of a sober uh, music following group called the War Frats of the Grateful Dead. And she taught me how to go to music festival sober with 37 days. So it's just like just like with comedy. When yes. The, when the rehab told me, oh, you should do comedy at coffee shops. And I and I wept in my first meeting. And they're like, well, you can go anywhere. Any free man can go if you're spiritually fit to be there. And yes. that saved my life. That saved my life. Yes. I was able to surrender the fact that I can't change the things I love to do. Yes. So I either get cool with it or I stop doing the things I love to do. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. I can't. I couldn't agree more. I couldn't agree more. And I, you know, I got sober at 22, you know, swinging from the chandeliers in New York City in the 90s. Uh, 
And because I thought I was so worried that I was going to have to get square. I really did. Like, I was really like, Ooh, and I didn't want I, I was like, yeah. I'm still going to be this chick who's up on the bar. Uh, and I was and it, I found my group of people that were, you know, similar to me, all in recovery, but all wild animals, you know, just running, running the streets in the middle of the night. And it was it totally worked for us. It was great. We're all still friends. A lot of us are still sober. Like, it's amazing. Well, you must have had some really insane moments, like either in or out of recovery. What was the most insane time that you experienced? It's so funny that when you saw it, when you asked that question and I was totally like, very interesting. It could be good, and too. It could be insane good. Insane like good, that. insane bad. Oh insane my gosh. Interesting, right. You know what I mean? It's right. like, well, we, we decide is sanity is such a funny moving target. Thank you for saying the good part because yeah. I just immediately went towards the drams um i mean okay. both are good <laughs> i can i can give you i can we give you a snap it all here we all i can give it. a snapshot of both because i feel like my recovery has been so, in insane insane high points and insane low points and i but maybe that's just life you know maybe that's yeah. just but maybe that's just life my life i i I'm, of course it's my life so i'm like it feels a little extra but anyway um i guess i would have to say that one of the most in, insane high points was um oh my god okay so i co-starred with jim carrey and man on the moon and um the audition process was i had to go to milos foreman's home and audition for him privately so milos foreman is a two-time academy award-winning director yeah. he's unfortunately passed he directed one for the cuckoo's nest amadeus yeah. uh, man on the moon uh hair uh like i mean a whole bunch of incredible movies that everyone should watch brilliant beyond brilliant so and this was all of course in the 90s you know crazy you know pre me too and they were like well you've got to go audition for milos at his home and i was like great and i was just assuming that there would be other people there but there wasn't so i went up in an elevator up to like the 33rd floor central park south so you have to understand that like the elevator opens into his home. That's what, you know, multi-million dollar, you know, apartment mansion in the sky. And looking out over Central Park, I mean, you could see Mars. Like, it was so insane. Wow. And there was nobody else there but me and him. And I had to audition with him privately. And I was very kind of like, that, that was shot. Of course, he was totally on the up and up. I'm not saying like anything weird or creepy happened. But it was very alarming because I was like, I wasn't really prepared uh, for that. Yeah. And he read with me. And then um, we went through the process of, uh, and then I got the part. And then, of course, I worked with Jim Carrey, which was insane. Uh, but I would have to say that like that to me, like working with Jim Carrey was amazing. And that was super wonderful. But I I guess I had such an, I had such a, um, oh my God, such, I don't even know what the word is, admiration for Milos um, because his films had been so incredibly moving to me um, wow. over time yeah. and, and to read with him privately like that. So that was for me like such a career like high point and to have that person be like you, you are the person, you know what I mean? Like you're just sort of like, oh, like we all just want to be kind of validated. You yeah, know that I mean? must be like a thousand hugs from your parents. Yeah, like. oh my God, yes, which, which, yeah, exactly. It's, and that's <laughs> what got me there was because I didn't get a thousand hugs. Anyway, so, uh, <laughs> so um, and then I guess I would have to say that like, um, because I, I, I've always had like a, a real, a real almost unhealthy drive for career success. Mm -hmm. um, it has, it has been 
you know, I it's always just something that has been and I have to sometimes check it because I'm just totally like, I think you're being a little not cool with yourself about this right now. Like mm. you can pull back a little bit and be a little bit more gentler and kind for, to yourself. This is a long endurance, you know, road. So anyway, that was one of those moments where I was just told like, holy fuck, this is incredible. I mean, the inside of his home. I mean, you're sitting next to Academy Awards on the fucking mantle. It was insane. I would have to say, like, the, as far as like the low part of insanity, um, was, you know, throughout my story, and I have, uh, I sustained a very um, uh, insane trauma, which was that when I, I was five years sober, I was uh, shot by my ex-girlfriend, who was a New York City police officer. And that, I know it's hard to just say that. It's hard to just say that. But it, <laughs> it created a domino effect where... Um, I had I had had all of this like, you know, my first five years was really about getting that that like validation. You know what I mean? The career validation. And I, I clearly I started to get it. You know, it was like champagne wishes, caviar dreams, flying first class, working with A-list people, you know, the best management and the best agents and incredibleness. And then uh, and then my girlfriend shot me and it ended all of that. It came to a, a grinding halt. Um, and then the series of events in the next like five years just kept compounding and compounding and compounding that pain and trauma. So it's funny because when you asked about the most insane thing, I don't even think being shot felt like the most insane thing. It was what how it was five years later. After. It was, mm -hmm. Yeah, because it was like I got shot. I, 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 I literally wanted to kill myself because I, I couldn't deal with the trauma. I moved to L.A. I got involved with somebody who wasn't sober, left me for heroin. I then got pregnant. Uh, you know, I met a man, fell in love, got pregnant and, and completely like put my sexuality aside because I'd come out as gay. Uh, I, got, I had my baby four months later. My dad died. And then my my baby daddy um had some crazy career success during that time. So I was alone, unable to go to meetings. And it was just totally like all of this stuff. Uh, and it was around then that I hit a bottom in recovery that was um, 12 years sober. That was so painful, so deep, so far, so wide um, that I literally didn't know how I was going to get out of that. I literally didn't know. Um, and then it's there that I then decided and knew that I had to really invest in other programs. I had to go to a people program and I also had to go to a money program because my baby mm. daddy went on reality TV, won $100,000. Like there was all this money involved. There was fame involved. There was like workaholism. There was other addictions. You know, I mean, it was like yeah. flying at my head at 180 miles an hour. Yeah, I, that I think, was the most insane. I think people don't give credit in the rooms to the sober bottoms, like to the bottoms that you hit because you don't have the fucking duct tape of drugs and alcohol anymore. Hello. Like, <laughs> and sometimes it's uh, the things that are out of your control. Like I've, I've hit sober bottoms that have just been at, at worse to me because I couldn't numb out. Yeah. I mean, I can't. Okay, look, I can. Like when people say Dave can't drink, it's like, no, Dave can still drink. I just choose not to drink. <laughs> exactly. Oh, yeah. Like this, yeah. October bottoms are just like it is. You fucking don't have any pain pills anymore, so you're just taking the hits and you're taking the hits. Yeah. And eventually, you become numb. And I compare it to a Saw movie, like those those horror movies with the gore. Yeah. Like the first five minutes, it's shocking. 
All right. But yeah. 10 or 15 minutes into this, oh, they're like, oh, they're slicing that guy's toes off. Well, <laughs> I'm going to eat this sandwich. You can hit a sober bottom because you just become numb for survival's sake. Right. Yeah. You become numb to all your defects and all the things that are happening to you and around you that sometimes are not within the scope of a program to handle. So what do you do? You just shut down to protect yourself. Yeah. Yeah. I I think it was more elevated during that time, too, because I had a child. And so Hormones. The, stakes, the stakes of uh, of failure and grief mm -hmm. in the presence of a child are off the charts and you're 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 trying to fix it. And also, too, you can't go as far down because you know, my sponsor was like, you don't want them to take that baby away from you. Because at one point I was having heart palpitations. I had to be checked into a clinic because I was I was having panic attacks. Uh, and and she was just totally like, you got to get your shit together. And and unfortunately, what that what that did also do was it almost made me then have to realize that I had to absorb even more and cloak it even more, which is because I couldn't have this like outward kind of like um, expression of it to which I maybe could have had as a younger person who didn't have a child. So when I, and during this around the same time was when uh, Britney Spears had her very famous uh, yeah. meltdown, shaved her head, smashed a car with an umbrella, mm -hmm. did all that stuff. And I, I now witness when I witness someone freaking out like that so much, I go, that person is being driven crazy because the people around here seem calm. You know what I mean? But mm -hmm. it's like, uh, 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 and now we know the other side of that. It, it's been, you know, 10 years later. Um, and so it's like it, it, it's very and also she was a mother at the time. And it, I mean, just so crazy. But it was um, adding a child into the mix was next level. Um, insanity in, in my own brain that I was not prepared for. It was I can't, I can't even imagine. I've had I've had traumatic bottoms in my recovery, you know, like I've had the big ugly breakups. I dated a guy that we were having sex and he had a stroke and almost died. And I oh had uh I mean it's no getting shot by a cop. Stroke pussy. I got stroke puss, yes. Uh I have a trust me, that was my first closing joke. Um oh my god. In more ways than one. Um and um Killer pussy. Come killer on. Pussy. And then and then I too had like a little bit of career success and then started to have massive health problems and yeah. and the trauma stuff. I wanted to run from it. And I remember yeah. my sponsor just being like, baby, your job right now is to lay in bed and eat cheese. <laughs> and I would laugh and she would be like, No, really, lay in bed yeah. and eat cheese. You don't have to run around and chase this money, property, and prestige like everybody else. You got to take care of you. And I was talking to my my roommate before this podcast started about how I, in some ways, I wish I was one of those juggernauts that could just plow through and keep it pushing. But when I'm not right physically, emotionally, spiritually, I come to a halt. Same. And I have to do, I have to do something about it. And there are outlets to have those. We all want to have an adult tantrum. You know, there's nobody, my poor therapist, she is so down. I just look at her all the time and I'm like, well, fuck that. I don't like it. It's right, but I don't like it. Yeah. You know, there are appropriate outlets. I love it when somebody is in a meeting just being like, I don't want to fucking be here. Yeah. I hate this shit. Yeah. I don't want to yep. feel the way I'm feeling. I love that level of honesty because that's what it takes to make it in the real world. If that's what it takes for that person to not go home and like beat their kids. 
great. <laughs> exactly. Say what you got to say. And I, I, it's just such a, I love that you said the word decision. You made a decision to do what you had to do. Like, how do you make decisions in your life? Well, I feel like right now, because I've been on this road a while, like so April 27th, April 15th, I had 27 years sober. So I've been doing this a minute and I have learned and we kind of talked about it earlier, but to uh, my road is narrow. Uh, The people that I go to is very few. Right. Mm -hmm. So I even love what you were saying about your sponsor. And I was like, what a gentle way to um, support you. Yeah. Which was not to be like, well, girl, get it together, you know, or, yeah. or whatever. Like, well, <laughs> yeah. what are you talking I about? Didn't, I didn't have a kid. I had a cat yeah. and a boyfriend that but, I was that was a bit still, of a man child. Yeah. So, so I often I often try and like when I speak at meetings, I'm also like, it's my opinion. Your sponsors only only. Uh, job is to help you with the 12 steps. It's it's not to fucking run your fucking life. You know what I mean? So when I hear of sponsors being like, you got to, you like being harsh or I, it, it's very challenging because I'm just totally like, there are times where, yeah, I, I literally, I had a sponsor who was like, you've got three things to do. Movies, meetings, and masturbation. Those are the three things you've got to do. And Put I, it I was, on a pillow, cross stitch yeah, that. I'm just totally like, how can I need to, I have to take care of myself through this, this process. So how do I, so like, so the question was like, how do I like make those decisions? So I literally have three people that I turn to. I don't have a, an army of a million. I have three people to whom I trust, um, who are, who have what I have and have, and have, are just a little bit down the road from me. So I do have to talk to people who specifically understand not only childhood trauma, but adult trauma. It's it's extra who also have children because it's extra and who relationship stuff. So they have to have those things to kind of like support me through it. Um, and nobody is here to crack the whip on Melanie. It's just mm-hmm. totally like, oh, how can we go back to the steps and fucking like stay focused on like the facts of this, not the feelings. Um I really struggle with a higher power. And so I really find that my higher power is mostly speaking through people. So I really need um, to hear what people have to say. So I especially, I I said I have three people, but it's really two people that I run stuff by. And no matter what they say, I go, that's the thing. I'm going to move forward with that, even if it feels a little foreign to me, because I feel like sometimes they're trying to like tease me into a more elevated place to be like to make this decision based on what they see from the outside sometimes because my insides are pretty bad i mean i really don't i really have a very very uh not great opinion of myself it i i really wish i could say that it was better i really do struggle still well and it's it's a trauma thing i was telling my 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 roommate i said she's two years younger than me She's a homeowner and everything's like going really, you know, Adorable. she's got a successful <laughs> podcast, you know, she's a touring comedian, self-produced albums that make her a lot of money. Like, like she has a one woman army. And I told her, I said, you know, what's interesting and I realized is that I'm a few years away from being as mature as you are now. And, <laughs> and that's, and that's okay because I came in handicapped by trauma. I had to spend my whole twenties surrendering to the fact that my heart was bleeding 
And yeah. I had to do something about that. And sometimes you just have to, somebody has to tell me like, what is the contrary action? Sometimes I can't figure it out for myself and no one is going to, you don't, no one needs, you don't need a sponsor who's going to crack the whip on you because no one's going to crack the whip on you harder than you. Oh my God. Yeah. And I, mm. oh my God. And thank you so much for saying all of that because it's like, I really can't, um, I'm already doing more than your average bear. If anything, I need to slow it down. I need to relax it up. And uh, and I am and I because of the trauma of the getting shot, I feel like so I had a therapist years ago who he I don't even know how I feel about it completely. But he was like, that's your real birthday. That's the real day you were born because it put me back to zero is what yeah. it did. Well, so, what was the... So I'm only 21 years old. Do you know what I mean? But I'm not... I Because I was so stunted by that right. event. And it was literally like, if you even... If I even look at the years of how much money I was making, what I was doing, it wasn't what a 30-year-old should have been making and doing and, and being. It was literally like toddler. Like I yeah. had to start fucking over. And so now I feel like at my life... Because I've been able to, by, you know, working multiple programs and, and keeping yeah. the eye on the prize, I am only now the cogs are starting to click in because I have a stable relationship that isn't clipping me at the knees every fucking five minutes because like I know how to fucking parent my kid because I figured out how to earn some fucking money without being a fucking crazy person because I've figured out how to stay right-sized inside of my dreams. It's only now, but I feel like I'm 10, 15 years behind the eight ball. You know what I mean? So yeah. I hear that. You're not, you're not, we're right. <laughs> I hate that phrase. Like we're not, we're right where we're supposed to be, but that's the part I'm really trying to like get into that authenticity of just being like, yeah, yeah. yeah like, like I'm, I'm like, it's sort of like the movie. Nell. I was raised in a bathroom. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> or I was raised, that's what my cat was raised in a bathroom or something. And he's, he's, we call him the Nell cat. Cause he's <laughs> crazy. Uh, but like, but like, there is there is some um, feral element, some wild animal elements to the ways that we're, I I told people I was raised by wolves. Like yeah. I was like they were they were sweet and they were magical monsters, but they were still monsters. This is what I tell people. I go, if someone is standing in front of you saying something that is of high energy, it can be high or low, whatever it is, it's high energy. This is what you say. It sounds like you're facing a challenge. Period. Right. And then if you can, you can add on another sentence, which goes like this. How can I help you? There's no there's no like judgment on that. It's like, wow, I'm I'm, I'm seeing you. I'm hearing what you're saying. Wow, it really sounds like you're 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 experiencing a challenge. And then if you can now, you don't have to. How, how can I help you? What can I what can I do for you? And then you go like, wow, thank you so much. And like, I'm good. Thanks so much. And then you don't have to navigate the fucked up things that people, people said to me like, did you keep the bullet? I'm like, oh yeah, no, I put it on a chain and I wear it around my neck. Um, and then people like, I mean, people just ask so many crazy questions. It's like, what? Like, and I probably would have asked the same thing. Like, how do you get there? How do you, how do you get there? You know? how, how did we get here? Exactly, because our our monkey minds or whatever are literally trying to assess danger, figure it out. And so I do understand why people ask dumb questions, right. which is so hard because unfortunately, dumb questions are literally your first stop on the trauma train. Like, it's almost like people are going to ask, yeah, why did your dad die? Like, oh my oh, yeah. God, are you like, fucking I, kidding me? me? Not I, helpful. I have, I have a whole five to 10 minutes <laughs> on the dumb shit that people have said to me. 
<laughs> like literally like uh like uh, oh oh you lost your father i get it because my dad left us when i was nine like that's comparing that my father's death to their their father or uh animals dead animals or uh you know i mean people who also you know and and i understand what they're trying to do they're trying to connect so what happened was you know i pulled away from aa for a year and then literally was going to kill myself like standing Mm -hmm. on the roof of a building at a party and i was like i could just jump off right now like this could be this Um, And then I had to, you know, again, a bottom in recovery, like we were kind of talking about. Mm -hmm. And then I had to dig in pretty deep and I had to like figure out how, how was I going to walk this earth with this compounded trauma? Because we have, I have childhood trauma and then compounded Mm -hmm. by an adult trauma, which is then, so I've been diagnosed as like having complex PTSD because it's like, it's it's two things now that are running the the two operating systems, which is why I my response to things is sometimes a little bit more than most people. So when people don't see me sometimes bouncing back fast enough or recovering from a situation fast enough, I'm like, bitch, I, I it's I'm telling you, I'm I'm working on it. It just doesn't work for me all the way, and I I can't at this stage of the game with how much time I have and how old I am, Mm -hmm. I can't judge myself because it's not going to, I don't think it's going to get better. Like, I'm just totally like, this is throwing everything at it for over two decades. You know what I mean? So was there a moment during this pandemic where you were like, all right, everybody, welcome to my world. (laughs) Welcome to the CPSD world. Oh, how you doing? Oh, how you anxious? Oh, you anxious, baby? You having a hard time getting some sleepy sleeps? You having nightmares? I was actually, like, I was actually so grateful that I had a lot of recovery Mm -hmm. under my belt because I was like, okay, how can we, you know, realize that we're powerless over this? How can Mm -hmm. we realize that there is something that's trying to take care of us in a way? And, like, how can I turn these feelings over? Like, how can I take inventory on this? Like, how, how can I how can I apply what I have learned uh, to this situation? And I just know that like I I went into a new program. Uh, I went into a food program during the, the pandemic and it exacerbated a lot of stuff. And a lot of people are suffering and a lot of people haven't lived because of it. And not just because of coronavirus, but because they, you know, reactivated addictions or, mm-hmm. you know, uh, I just know that like even now we're not completely out of the woods yet no. with this stuff. And I feel like, I'm really starting to see even the people in my life who I don't even like, who are just so straight and narrow, really having some COVID fatigue. Like now Mm -hmm. they are really, because this went on like about eight months longer than it should have. And it's like people's ability to kind of hang in there is really worn out their ability to fucking People are just done with it. People are just done with it. Even if they were the most diligent of people, they're just fucking done. Done and done. Um, what would you say is the most surprising thing you've learned about yourself thus far? Um, I think that I'm like way more capable than I thought. Like, I think growing up, I was always kind of told, um, unfortunately, you know, I, that, you know, that I was, you know, not smart or, uh, that I was stupid or that artists can't be good at business, that I I didn't, I you know what I mean? And I had a lot of evidence of that. I failed school. I did terribly in school. I have horrible self-talk. I mean, just really terrible mm-hmm. self-talk. Um, and I didn't know that I could be, I, I didn't know that I could apply my diligent 
are um, uh, things that I do to be an artist. Like so, writing, memorizing. Uh, I could I could apply those skills that I had to like being a good comedian or an actor or filmmaker. I can apply those same skills to having a business and being somebody that can earn um, and be their own boss. And I think that really surprised me. Like I didn't know that I could do that or that was in my future. And it really took a lot of years of like scraping away um, at some really old ideas of myself. Mm. And I feel like that's a lot of artists' journey. I feel like there's a lot of like, oh, well, you can't be good at business. And I'm like, but you can. I really feel like so many people can be better. Not maybe perfect, you know what I mean? But like a lot better than they think they can. Well, I mean, it's the same thing when you hear comedians say like, I, I'm not, I can't be a good host at a show. It's like, oh, no, you can. You can. You just got to, you got to operate a little differently. Everybody can be a good host. It's just you're not doing your set. So it's like doing the uncomfortable thing, which is more often than not telling yourself that you can. Sometimes the most uncomfortable thing for me is telling myself that I'm capable. I know that sounds fucked up, but like with the negative self-talk and things like that. Like I, when I first came in the rooms, I was just like, you couldn't hate me more than I hated. Me. <laughs> exactly. People tried. And that used to be my favorite thing to say in a meeting. Like it made me feel like all badass. It's just like, <laughs> oh, like I literally hated me. I would drink the worst booze because I hated me. Mm. Like I would walk home from my job at the motel six and I would, I would get a half a pint of aristocrat vodka and chase it with a tall boy of steel reserve because the alcohol content was high and that it tasted so bad. Oh, Be and I deserved it. That's what I felt like. I did. Mm -hmm. Like I had money to buy better tasting shit, but I was like, you're but a, why you're would an alcoholic you? Piece of shit. <laughs> you deserve this. Mm -hmm. You deserve a mouthful of fucking poverty. Mm. Yeah. So I'm glad you're not the the ambassador of the aristocrat uh, vodka today. Uh, shit, I'll <laughs> tell people about that shit. <laughs> there is um yeah there is uh that comes up to me for me still it was my my therapist you know which relationships in my life qualify as self-harm or at least how i show up for myself in those relationships how does that qualify as self-harm and um it is so fascinating to have to like pull back and be like, no, we've worked really hard to value ourselves and we're not going to continue, you know, continue to do things that reinforce the negative voices in our head. Yeah. It's so hard to step outside of that. I had to like set a boundary the other day with my partner because he was like, do you want to go with this? Sh you know, we're having a date night. Do you want to go check out this comedy show? And I was like, actually, I don't want to like be in performative spaces with you as a couple for a while. Because I would love to use this opportunity to re-enter our workforce as independent entities. Because when we got together, it stopped being Anna the comic. It started being Anna and Stuart, and it was more Stuart prominently. Mm. And um, and I really would like my autonomy back in my career. And oh, wow. yeah, and he was like, uh, and I was like, it's not against you. It's just, it's, these aren't even boundaries. The only thing we can control is our boundaries with ourselves and our relationship and with other people but we the way other people perceive me or you is out of our control but what we can do is set consistent boundaries that's it yeah well, and boundaries are just honesty too 
Yeah, and boundaries are just for you. And I think that people think that the boundaries are for somebody else. It's like, no, the boundaries are for you. It's like, this is my boundary. This is for me. Right. And then you can choose as to whether or not if the person crosses that boundary, how to take it from there. Do I then remind them, hey, I just want you to know I'm still kind of struggling with this. I need another minute. Or like, hey, this actually isn't working or whatever it is. Like, you have the choice. It's with Absolutely. you. Absolutely. And it, and it really is like, you know, the the the... The, the changes that I have made in my life have been so incremental, so, so tiny at a time. It's almost like I couldn't handle like a big sweeping, you know, change. It had to be a little bit at a time. I got a little bit more confident to be able to say, no, mm-hmm. I'm not interested in that. Um, it is very challenging because I, I have very warped ideas in my head, you know, the piece of shit at the center of the universe. You know what I mean? Sure. It's like, I'm like, I want it to be Academy Award winning, but then I'm just totally like, but you're garbage and you're a fake and a phony. And it's, you know what I mean? It's so the it's the just- maniac with the inferiority complex. Yeah. <laughs> I relate to that more than anything else that I've learned in my recovery over the years. Yeah. But even admitting that I'm the egomaniac with the inferiority complex is, is self-honesty. Mm-hmm. And that's, I think, is a cornerstone of any of the things like realizing that you needed other programs, you know? Uh, uh, how honest would you say that you're you're are you with yourself and others today oh oh my god that is such a good one because it's so funny because I noticed that like even with something small like you know because we you know we were my wife actually went through the pandemic went to work every day and um I just noticed this is a very small weird thing but like that when she would go to work, I would watch different shows that I wouldn't watch with her here. And it's almost like I do have, and I probably may will forever, hide a part of myself um, because I am uh, I'm reliving something or I'm engaging with something or it has to go into a part of my brain in the way that I'm watching something as a watching with a couple. And I feel like because of um you know uh not having that solid foundation of like how to be partnered by another person because of like childhood stuff it's very difficult for me to be like oh this is me with this person and this is me when i'm alone you know what i mean so even listening to certain music i like have to do it for the room like this is like this is totally like codependent Al-Anon, adult mm-hmm. child type stuff so it is very hard for me sometimes to feel like i am being honest with the people around me because I feel like I almost have to save a part of it or I I can't necessarily trust it. And the truth of the matter is I'm happily married. My wife is a goddamn card-carrying angel. I really fucking lucked out. Um, but I feel like I will always maybe hide a, a part of myself in all honesty. Um, I call it the sometimes I like to sleep on the couch. There's, <laughs> yeah, there's some, there's this weird internal self that, uh i developed because i had to and uh for me it's a lot of like watching anime i love anime i still love anime i'm 38 i love anime oh my so God, good forever who cares yes exactly and it's so funny my roommate will come in and i'll turn it off real quick and she'll be like okay anime you can watch this out here it's yeah. fine and like uh but there's like certain stuff yeah it's like there's some things that i like to keep locked away and and there is that doesn't hmm. i i think that's more of a boundary thing than like having not honesty because if you were asked about it if your wife was like oh hey i noticed on their uh on our dvr you have a lot of like uh you know maury DVR. or whatever what year DVR. is this DVR. i don't know 
They still make them. It's a cue. It's like our algorithm on demand cue on the Netflix. Yeah. Why? Why are we getting these suggestions? Okay. So here's the thing, and also too, as as far as like the honesty goes, I feel like also too sometimes if I have to step into honesty, I also have to remember rigorous honesty, except where and to do so would injure them or others. And I feel Mm. like that second part of the honesty part, people are like, "Well, I'm just being honest," and I'm like. You see that a lot with comedians. They're like, I was just honest with them. And it was like, actually, yeah, you're so a dick. <laughs> I do have to clock, like, is this harmful? Is this going to be harmful to me and to somebody else? If I don't know, and I had an amazing sponsor in the past, it was like, if you don't know what to do, don't do anything at all. And then sometimes I have to, st- sometimes I have to step into it and just say, I don't know how to do this, especially when it comes to being honest. So sometimes I have to preface it and say, I'm so sorry. Like, I don't know if these are the right words. I don't know if this is the right way to say this. I don't know if this is in this world of like having to say things perfectly. Like I'm freezing up right now. And like, I just have to let you know that like, this is what's going on. Uh, and then I also have to remember that like, if I am going to say something, I have to also be prepared for what comes back at me. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like, how can I do this in the most loving situation? So who am I sharing this with, right? So it's kind of like, there's so many elements of kind of like, because I, I I have shared stuff with sponsors that are no longer my sponsor. And I mm-hmm. do not feel comfortable that they have this information about me. I really uh, don't like it. Do you know what I mean? Because it's like, oh, you've got to make this four step. you got to tell them fucking every little fucking nook and cranny. And I thought that like my recovery depended on it. And now I'm like, fuck. I fucking said that to that person. Well, and that's the thing, too. One thing, one gift my second sponsor gave me was he told me point blank. He goes, don't share anything in a meeting that you wouldn't be completely OK with having on the front page of a newspaper, you know, and because that's the reality, you know, yeah. and like if, if you're working the steps uh, in it says specifically like your inventory has just to be made to someone. Yes. You know, like it doesn't necessarily have to be a sponsor. It usually is because that kind of helps with like five, six, seven. You know what I'm saying? Uh, But it doesn't have to be. It just has to be someone, Mm -hmm. you know, and that's I mean, that's the the gift of that is 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 self-honesty. And then the acceptance of like, you know what? It's uncomfortable that people know the things they know about me. Uh, But also like, I don't know, like. I've I've accepted that my piece of shit is, you know, <laughs> like I like it, it's just like if, if some of those things ever came out, which my first sponsor committed suicide. So you're like, I'm good. <laughs> yeah, that's where those secrets are. Hey. All set. Uh, All set. Uh, I say the same thing to people when they come to me for clients about social media. And I go, whatever you share online, be comfortable with it on the cover of The New York Times and you'll be okay." Because I think people think that because nobody's responding to their tweets, they can fucking say something insane. And all of a sudden it comes out five years later that you said the most bananas fucking thing. And I'm like, be careful. Uh, And also, too, in, in what you were saying about sharing in a meeting, I have shared stuff in meetings, even vague, like just kind of like whatever. And that's someone leave the meeting and call that person and say she this is what she said in a meeting i've had it happen twice and it was because i know and i'm like thanks a lot thanks so much because and and people wonder why the fuck like people are like so hesitant to even like do 12-step recovery you know Mm -hmm. it's like it's like this that is definitely not attraction well and here's the thing too as far as a relationship situation goes on like you don't know what's happening inside that home you don't know 
after that, after I've shared that in a meeting and walked in the front door of my home, and then you called that person, like, what are what are you doing? What are, what are, where are you inserting yourself into someone's life? And you don't know what kind of domino effect you're going to create right. uh, inside their life, right? Bananas. Yeah, I. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I, boo, I love a gossip. Don't get me wrong. I love a gossip. Feels so good. Ooh, is she's a delicious little yeah. defect. Nom, 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 nom. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I've also had uh, some of my step work repeated to me by my sponsor's friend, and she was no longer my sponsor. And this was way early in my recovery. And, um, you know, I've also sponsored people that, like, it didn't work out. And I do know too that like, I'm not gonna be spilling their tea, you know, because I might yeah. not wanna hang out with her, but I also don't, I also respect the program so much that I'm not gonna do that to somebody. I love yeah. a meeting where they're like, what we say here, when we live here, let it stay here. It's what it's supposed to be. It's what it's supposed to be. all of them? You mean? Not all of them say that. Not all of them say that, but. But it should be all of them. It should be. Yeah. It should be. Yeah. Yeah. That created a lot of problems in my life, you know, because that person. Well, and it and it's funny because it's, it's, it was, you know, both of those times happened in LA and it was, you know, it was also too, there was, you know, fame involved with it and ass kissing and kind of social climbing. There was this real kind of underbelly side to it that just made me not trust it, which Girl. is when I have to, which is why I have to remember that when people say like, oh, I, I hate 12 step and this is why. And I'm like, I think what you didn't like was your experience of humans inside of 12 yeah. steps. The 12 steps are kind of fucking awesome, I think. They are, yeah. I feel like they are perfect. They've helped me so much. They clearly are for me uh, how I deal with obsession and they have resolved that for me uh, when I have applied them. However, what you are talking about are the fucking nutcases uh, that are not only in recovery, but out of recovery. You're talking about humans, just humans, humans imp- imperfect, wherever they're at. That that same problem happens at the office, mm-hmm. at, at your softball league, whether it's in and out of AA, it doesn't fucking matter. You're talking about flawed humans. The program is in the book. And whatever that book may be, the program is in the book. Yeah. The fellowship, good, bad, or indifferent, is in front of you. That's the humans. Exactly. And sometimes the fellowship be fucking up. And and that's okay. Um, luckily, as a fellowship in an institution, what I love about 12-step organizations as opposed to something like political parties or religions or whatever is that we are subject to change. Like, I would love to see the 12 steps. This is just the opinion. I would love to see gender taken out of the 12 steps. Like who, it's what, funny. Why are we still holding on to he him? What are we one doing? Of, <laughs> one of my uh, one of my programs, they're they're working on that. Uh, so yeah. taking it out of the. Yeah, the just take it out. We don't need that. We don't need that. It, it causes too much consternation, and 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 obviously, <laughs> like where humans and program clash. Hold on. <laughs> <laughs> Damn vaping. Okay. Yeah, Get it so out. supposed to quit vaping a while ago. <laughs> I'm down on my last. I'm down on my she, last little. She, she she bruised a lung vaping. Bruised my it's nose. Be... The sore came back too. I got a nose. I got a nose injury from vaping. Oh, I'm confused. How do you? Are you vaping in your nose? I'm no, just... but yeah, like, like, look at my nose. The way, the, the look at her. Vapes. She's so much. She vapes like it's the last hit. <laughs> 
every time. That's because the road every is time. narrow and every hit could be the last hit. Um, okay, got it. It is, uh, oh, man, this is going to be a fun episode to edit. I got myself breaking boundaries. I got Dave <laughs> outing himself. I'm coughing. This is going to be a fun one. Um, but, uh, okay. Uh, so uh, when getting into like issues of anxiety because uh, complex PTSD and I love, I think you're the first person, we've had people talk about PTSD, but we haven't had somebody talk about um, uh, compound complex. CPD, complex, yeah. Complex PTSD before. And I know that from my own personal experience with PTSD and with, um, with anxiety specifically, like the core of my generalized anxiety disorder is um is definitely rooted in that ptsd and it took me years to even admit i was neglected and abused and to just say that and to be okay with that and um and to not feel like oh i'm a dead factive person no one's ever gonna love if i admit that it took Mm. so long and protecting that ptsd injury in my heart um became the fuel in the engine of my defects i really feel like anxiety for me is the fuel of the engine of my defects or at least it was at one time now girl i could procrastinate i am three assignments behind in math right now <laughs> uh, my professor took away late grading and i was like yes just <laughs> but I just put on you know just put myself on an imaginary beach with a with a drink with an umbrella just living my life so how do you experience anxiety and fear Mm, well i experience it more often than not uh i uh my anxiety specifically feels like i'm falling down an elevator shaft um it's heart pounding um you know can't concentrate um I uh, am rushing to fix it. Like I want to, I have to fucking rush to fix it, mm-hmm. uh, which creates uh, a lot more problems uh, as well. Um, so how I have learned to at least try and get out in front of any sort of anxiety or, or when I'm triggered by PTSD specifically, um, if there is a lot of commotion. So I, I am, I'm triggered by uh auditory things so like if there's music on and people are talking and the dog is running around and i'm noticing something is not be like someone can't find something in the di- like i will start to get fucking super overwhelmed um and i have to kind of like i have to like calm down and i have to mm-hmm. now i also my family knows this about me because i will snap and i have snapped and broken mm-hmm. shit like i will fucking scream at everybody girl um, me too yeah oh my god like and i have to be fucking, like transparent about that yeah. because it's like i i can be very scary um and i have had to learn to also too because my family is my family they say you hurt the ones that you love they are truly in this house with me so if i am being triggered by something that's going on in the background and like the the dog and the tv and the thing and the whatever like i just will fucking be like guys it's happening i'm getting i'm getting angry and i'm getting frustrated we have to fucking like i don't know what we need to do we need to like take this down a notch right so mm-hmm. and i i have it's helped me very much for them to know that that's what's going on with me so they don't take it personally which is very challenging mm-hmm. it, saying you're sorry doesn't fix the situation i have to make sure that i'm protecting them as much as possible because i love them so much and i don't want them to be harmed by me um but this is truly what i have to work with sometimes so um i also know too that like what I'm putting into my body um, is mostly just chemicals, right? So my brain is a chemical place. If I am not eating uh, enough 
protein or if I'm drinking too much caffeine. Like the, the other morning, I was really craving coffee and my wife make me coffee. I should not ever be drinking coffee. I drank coffee and the terror doom drop from the morning until I, I realized that I was like, bitch, you drink coffee. You are out of your fucking tree right never now. stop drinking coffee. That's a coffee, <laughs> coffee and cheese. Uh, I'm, I'm telling you, if I ever reach a point in recovery where I can't coffee or cheese, uh, keep me away from the train tracks. Yes. <laughs> I remember, I feel like the moment I became adult in, an adult in my program was when I started drinking decaf at night. I have decaf. I have decaf uh, now. Oh, I have decaf you. on hand just in case. Yeah. yeah. So I, so I, yeah, I can drink um, tea. So this morning I had some PG tips, real nice, beautiful PG tips. Nice. Uh, it's a it's very strong tea. I can do tea until the cows come home. I can do a little Red Bull and I can do a little like um, caffeinated seltzers, coffee. It's just the way I just crash so hard on it. And what's hard about me is that I want to make I want to make decisions when I feel like that. That's just how it is for me. I want to fucking move in, move out. Let's mm-hmm. put together a show. You're fired. Like I just want to fucking make all things happening. I don't know. I don't know. And I am. People listen to me. I, I have these glasses on. I sound loud. I I clearly think I know what I'm talking about, but I maybe I don't. So I'm I can, very convincing. Yeah, I can fucking cause some damage. Do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? So mm-hmm. I have to be. I'm like I'm like a toddler with a gun. Like I'm just totally like this could go off anywhere. You know. <laughs> I have to be careful. So for me, my chemicals between my brain, drinking enough water, really figuring out what caffeine has worked for me. Also, too, sometimes I need a sandwich and a nap, but I don't need 50 sandwiches, which is why I went into a food program (laughs) during the pandemic, because the food thing really, because I feel like I would go to the food to calm me down. Oh, I will eat this really big sandwich that's just going to fucking slow me down. So I fu- I'm using food literally to medicate. And then I got up to like 200 pounds, which is a lot for me um, during the pandemic. And I'm like, girl, you're losing a battle. Like you're you're doing this food thing to control your emotions, which right. is not how that's supposed to work. You know what I mean? So I had to get help on that. So and the anxiety has been very challenging. And I also do like um rescue remedy um, and, um, uh, and I, and I, and I struggled with this for a long time, but like CBD, uh, tinctures. And I, at first I was like, oh, that can't be sober. And now I'm just totally like, listen, they've put me on every pharmaceutical under the sun from Wellbutrin to all these other stuff. And I literally have a little CBD tincture and, uh, it does nothing to me. Like I don't yeah. feel, I don't feel high. It literally, and I don't even like use it all the time. It's just something that, like, every once in a while, I'll be like, okay, I think this is now. I'm starting. Oh, so to you about. treat it like medicine? Absolutely. Like, well, and that's <laughs> the thing too. It's just like I, I, my, 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 my take on cannabis uh, uh, to people is just like this. It's like medicine stops becoming medicine if you do it all day every day. <laughs> exactly. You know what I'm yeah. saying? So I think that with people in recovery, as far as CBD, like for me. I was an all-day, every-day cannabis abuser, okay? So that might not be the right option for me, but if you can use medicine like fucking medicine, you should. it, it falls within the 12-step recovery program. Like my second sponsor, I had to take a half of oxycodone just to get out of bed to take care of his kids as far as because of pinched nerves. He didn't do it all the time, but when they were really acting up, his wife had the pill count, and he's like, Dave, I used to smoke fucking crack. Yeah. And now, if I have to take one of these, I have to take one of these. And if someone says I'm not sober, it's like I, that's crazy because there, there, yeah. there's no world that if you were using, quote unquote, that that 
that thought process and accountability and transparency would go into that. Yeah. You know? And that's and that's what involves with like realizing that we've got to be self honest, realizing that we have anxiety and we have to take care of ourselves um, yeah. beyond alcohol and drugs. Uh, what would you say are the defects of character you've surrendered to or worked on the most? Oh, my God. So I I totally um, I feel like it took me a very, very long time to even figure out the character defect component. I feel like for many, many years it was all about four, five, eight, nine, four, five, eight, nine, four, five, eight, and just skipping all of that stuff in between. Yeah. And I think that like it takes a long time to get to the to that. And that when you do make an amends, that you actually are saying, hey, I'm never going to do that again, or I'm doing everything in my power to never do that again. But that means I have to figure out what it is that I'm doing, right? And it took me a very, very long time. I've had a slow variety. It took me a very long time to figure out this stuff. Um, for me, I have also learned too that my character defects are also assets. So my controlling, um, I can be very controlling. I have, I needed to control to stay alive as a young person. Um, I needed to control my environment. I didn't feel like the adults in my life were controlling the environment. They weren't helping me eat. They weren't helping me do the things that I needed to do. Um, so control saved me. Uh, and then in the end, it started to eat me alive. Now, how I see that as an asset is people hire me to control them. People hire me to say, tell me what to do and when to do it, right? And my my Virgo laser beam of control, I can fucking narrow it in on somebody and be like, this is what you do. We are not going to leave a stone unturned. We are, we are going to get into every single nook and cranny on how you can maximize this situation. I have to be very careful to not do that with the people that I love in my living room. They need to have their own experiences. I have to be careful with the control thing because I will fucking want to get in there and just be like, you are doing this wrong and I need to help you figure this out. You know what I mean? I've learned how to like when asked to do it and now that is how I make my money. People pay me to fucking, they want me to control them. And I'm like, great. And for $150 to $200 an hour, I will do it for you too as well. So now the control works in that area. So it's like the good intentions gone too far, just like what you were saying, Dave, about the medicine. It's like good intentions gone too far, right? The half an oxycodone helps him get out of bed and be a fucking parent. The five oxycodones is, we've crossed the line. You know what I mean? Right. Now, also too, same thing with comedy. Uh, I can be a character assassinating, fucking sarcastic bitch. <clears throat> Uh, that works beautifully on stage with a microphone yes. in my fucking face. A fucking, I will read the situation. I will get into the nooks and crannies of it. I will fucking, it doesn't work. I have cleared a few tables at dinner parties. I just have to say, you know what I mean? I have said sarcastic things to family members that have hurt them deeply. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's the, for me, it's like, how can I see, how can I work on this defect? And a lot of my defects have become assets uh, in the end. I uh, ran into the Eskimo that got me clean and we are not friends anymore. We're not enemies, but we just like grew out of each other as yeah. humans. And I told him, um, hey, uh, I don't know how else to explain this, but um, in the past I had a lot of misplaced comedy energy. And uh, now that I have an outlet for that. Uh, oh my God! Misplays comedy energy. Should we? There should be like a support group. Yes, it. yes. Because I'm that bitch. I'm that bitch. You'd be like, well. And I remember the first time I roasted. They, I got off stage and uh, uh, Jay Light, who's been on this podcast, said to me, "He goes, we didn't think you could do that." And I was like, 
under every nice codependent person yes. is a is a verbal samurai ninja who yeah. will fucking cut you because I am judging at all times. Well, it's so funny that you say that. I I couldn't handle then the reverse. I I can dish it out. Mama can't take it. Mama yeah. cannot take the fucking. And maybe what they have to say about me. It's so funny because my wife is one of six kids and I was pretty much an only child. I do have two half brothers that are like 21 years younger than me. It doesn't even count. And she, I will like, I, I'm a, like, I'll tickle her a little bit and she goes to tickle me. I fucking break down. I'm like, oh, stop. Like, I, like, I can't handle it. I can't handle, I can dish it out. I can't fucking take it. So I could never, I could never roast uh, anybody, but I could just be a fucking asshole on stage, which is, yeah. Yeah. Well, long-term it wasn't good for me either because I couldn't, (laughs) I couldn't turn it off. I couldn't turn it off off stage and I would get into my gossip and my chisme and my reading and judgments. And, and what, you know, what I've learned is that like, you know, yeah, there is an appropriate time and place for that for sure. And, um, and to get into some self-forgiveness about that, you know what I mean? Like, it took me 12 years to have a dream. It took me 12 years to build the self-esteem to know what I wanted to be when I grew up. And yeah. that's okay. And to have some forgiveness for that. And um, how do you experience forgiveness in your life? Oh, it's such a good question. Because I actually, you know, said the word for many, many years, but I actually didn't know what it meant. I Same. did not know what it meant. And I thought it meant that I needed to let that person off the hook or I had to like condone what they were doing. I didn't know that it just meant not to be angry. That's the the only definition. It just means to not be angry. But yet I'm also still very angry. Uh, so I, I really struggle with that as well. So it took me a long time to figure that out. And I was like, wow, I can just not be angry about this. Or I can also just be less angry about it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, so- you know, I, I don't need to take action. I don't need to take action on my anger anymore. And that's a lot about the forgiveness because I still am very angry. I really wish I could just scrub all that stuff away. Um, but it is still, a lot of it is still very alive inside of me. Well, this stupid fucking world keeps adding things for us to be angry about. Yeah. <laughs> that's the problem. The human experience adds more anger. I get through one pile of anger and a new pile is there. I am the Rumpelstiltskin of anger. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And I also like I I am also like, uh, you know, I, I'm very lucky that my wife is in recovery, that most of my friends are in recovery. Yeah. However, I do have people that I have to have weekly and monthly interactions with that are not. And they trigger the fuck out of me. I really mm. wish I, could, I was a better person. I really wish I, I could just be and let it slide off me and you know sometimes when I talk to my sponsor about it and that they're, they're just totally like they're just talking and I'm like yes but they da, 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 you know what I mean so um it, it I just have to remember not to take action on how I'm feeling around it mm-hmm. and try and like and also too a lot of this is just as far as the forgiveness goes is the self-care like how can I take care of myself bitch have you drunk too much coffee today do you need a sandwich and a nap like do you like do you need to take a bath like what's going on do you need to kind of like not make this compounded and, and explode mm-hmm. even more yeah yeah oh there is a I, uh, so I trained in martial arts, uh, and I've gotten back into it in the pandemic. And, uh, there's some people I love in that world. And then there are some people that like make me a little crazy and there's kind of like, it's very funny. 
I finally got to a place in my recovery where I could be like, well, we are just never going to go get coffee together, but I can not yell at him, you know? And some days I'm successful with that. Sometimes it's like a little, little shade will come my way. And I'm like, oh, no, I'm sorry. Mama's not a doormat anymore. Boop, don't do that. But I also don't have to like live in this fantasy world of constructing um, a, uh, a, 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 uh, inflame my using my my friend calls it the inflamed sense of justice constructing mm. vengeance for my inflamed sense of justice has never served me um, yeah it's gotten me fired it's yes. gotten me broken up with it's oh, gotten me probably not booked it's gotten me it's got me some places yeah but it hasn't and uh, it hasn't uh done me any good so what i should do is just like not yeah <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> Just have my, boundaries my and sponsor, like not scream. <laughs> yeah. My sponsor had this really great thing where she was just totally like, will my next decision bring me peace? And it was like peace and, you know, and, and, and serenity is the goal at the end of the day. So sometimes I, you do have to say something and then I'm just totally like, but will this ultimately bring me peace in the end? And that is like, you, you have to understand yourself, how you work, how, how you're, and it takes a long time to get to know yourself, especially when you come from trauma. I, I, you know, what do I like? What do I like to do? Where do I like to go? You know, I mean, it's, it's hard to know who you are. It takes a while. Trauma creates a personality vacuum because in order for trauma to be perpetrated on somebody long for long term, you have to tell them that they deserve it and that it's normal. Mm -hmm. And so you have to constantly undermine their ability to assess what is good and bad for them and to to make it so decision making. That's the reason why the decision making question is there and it comes up again usually around the seventh question because the seventh and third step are little buddies in the steps yeah and it's like decision making is one of the hardest things I had to be okay with because I felt every decision I ever made was a mistake Mm. and um the reason why was because somebody installed some malware in my brain that told me every decision I ever made was a mistake so I had to yield to their authority and control where they could then abuse me further. Yeah. And um, that was, I mean, I couldn't even order at a restaurant, Melanie. I'd be like, which, which, you know, if the cop salad and the BLT were in a cage fight, who would win? (laughs) I would give it, I would give it all to the waiter and hope for the best. And, um, and it, you know, uh, that's why that, you know, that's why in that forgiveness portion in that it, it is so, is so kind to yourself, such a loving thing to yourself to do that. And I, uh, I have to say, you know, it's like we get to that point of forgiveness, right? So I had a sponsor tell me she was like at a role, gnarly, go through the steps before I started doing stand up. Uh, who'd have known it? Every time I go through some sort of like crazy hard round of the steps, something amazing happens in my life. Right? Yes. Right. And it's like, yes. it's, it's so funny. It's like, I'm, I'm going through some pain right now and I just keep sharing. I'm like, I'm going to lean into the pain because I have never been let down by this process. Not once. And, um, what, like, you know, getting to that portion where it's like, I can forgive myself and others unconditionally and then come into asking for forgiveness. 
that ninth step. Like what has been the most interesting amends you've either gotten or received? I have a funny one. Okay. I have a funny one. So I, when I moved uh, to LA, I uh, met someone who uh, was newly sober and was in a relationship. And uh, um, we totally fell for each other really hard. And um, she, I, well, I can't really put it on her too much, but anyway, we engaged in having a relationship and it ended her other long-term relationship that she Mm -hmm. chose to be with me. Um, But you know, that was my part was I wanted, I wanted her as my girlfriend. Mm-hmm. And, um, and it, of course, hurt the other person uh, terribly. And, um, it, you know, and it was a huge upset. You have to understand there's only 35 lesbians uh, on this planet. And, <laughs> and that all, is not true. All, I lived in Long life. Beach. <laughs> it, it, well, I mean, the ones that are worth dating. So. <laughs> and we all, like, switch. I mean, so I, I seriously, this isn't the situation, but, like, I was dating a woman Okay, I, I, I don't know if I could do it without names, but like I was like dating a woman and another one was dating a woman and then we switched coasts and girlfriends. Like, I mean, like I was Amazing. then dating her ex-girlfriend and she was dating my ex-girlfriend. Uh, it was, yeah, it's, it's a lesbian drama. It's just the way that it goes. So now uh, I, you know, I, 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 I participated in this person, of course, being hurt. Um, and so... I knew that I had to make an amends for my part in that. And I learned, my sponsor told me this amazing way to figure out your part in something, which is that you look at the scenario like it's a movie and you CGI them out. Because people are always like, but they were fucked up. And listen, she keyed my fucking Trans Am. Like she did some fucking terrible fucking shit to me, okay? She did some fucking terrible shit too. But that's not my, that's not what I'm making no. amends for. That's not my, right. that's not me, Right. So when people are confused about it, I go, you CGI them out of your movie, right? Her with the key standing by my Trans Am. Goodbye. Gone, right? You do her like Kevin Spacey. Just take her little ass right out the movie. Gone. And then there's you. And you're left with you living how you are. You know, what are you doing? You're fucking engaging with her partner. You Not out of a relationship. Like, come on. You fucking contributed, right? And then what you do is you CGI in like an old lady or a baby or a dog. And then you can kind of see how you are reacting. Like, would you, you know, silent treatment, slamming doors, um, you know, inserting yourself where you shouldn't be inserted, like all kinds of shit that's like, that's on you, right? And that's, that for me, that was my part. And I needed to uh, come clean with that. I knew that I would never see this woman. Uh, and I knew that she would never want to see me. Like it was like it wasn't like a I'll give you a call and we'll meet for coffee. Like fuck no. So I was on the west side, which is where she lives, and I've always been an east side person. So I was on the west side at a at a pool party, and I'd been there all day long, swimming and whatever, and it was crazy, and I was covered in glitter, and I had a tutu on, like a long tutu, and I wasn't wearing any underwear. Yes, <laughs> a long tutu. I looked insane. I stopped off at this Whole Foods to grab some food before I was stopping home after this like crazy pool party that I had gone to. And there she was at the counter at the Whole Foods. And I was like, this is my moment. I I am never going to get this moment again. And I made my amends right there in front of the chicken cutlets at the Whole Foods counter. um, And she was not fucking pleased with me. 
she was like, I don't give a fuck. Like, whatever. I never want to fucking talk to you again. And I was like, cool, that's fine. I just needed to fucking say that out loud. And I went home and I told my sponsor and I was like, I feel like I need to call her. Oh, no, I wasn't cool about it because I was like, shit, do I need to like do it again? Like she was seemed really upset with me. Like this didn't fix anything. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that's not the goal, though. Right. I know. But it was one of those things where it was like, it was so disturbing. And I was like, oh, God, I really wanted to make this right with her. And I feel bad. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and I told my sponsor, I was like, and she was like, well, where were you? And I was like, well, I was at, I came from this pool party and I was wearing this long tutu, but I wasn't wearing any underwear. And it's just crazy. And I was in front of the chicken cutlets at the fucking Whole Foods. My sponsor turned to me and she was like, Melanie, you have to wear underwear. Okay. You just have to fucking wear underwear. Uh... And she was like, <laughs> she was like, it's not your responsibility how she responded. You did, you said exactly what you needed to say. Mm-hmm. It needed to happen exactly where it needed to happen. And that's that. And you don't need to fix it. And so it was the, the one that made the most. Not talk to her anymore. <laughs> I had a similar girlfriend scenario where the. The request was, don't ever talk to me again. And I, and I that living amends is to never talk to her again. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I've also made amends. Um, and I also feel like making amends is so wildly powerful. And it, I feel like it is so healing. Um, I really do suggest it. And I also feel like, too, it doesn't have to be perfect. Like, you don't have to fly to meet them and wear a special outfit and have the thing. I've made amends on Facebook Messenger. I've made amends via Instagram. I've be- made amends, like, just fucking like, hey, I- I'm sorry about what that happened. And-, and and now it's like, I just try and do spot checks. Like, shit, I'm so sorry. I fucking, ooh, I think I said something. I'm so sorry. Just letting you know right now. And fucking, like, through text. You know what I mean? Like, it doesn't And, that- and that's a daily spiritual practice. That's a 10 step. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I... It, it, I had a moment on this podcast where I'd be like, can I check in with you? Are you okay? I'm going to pull that out. I'm sorry. You know what I mean? Like, and that gets to like, what is your daily spiritual get down that keeps you safe, sane and in Melanie's body? I feel like probably the most powerful thing is meditation, um, prayer and meditation. And that is coming also to from somebody that has a very fractured relationship to a higher power. Um, and the reason why I say that is because I, the, the, um, so the way it was always described to me is prayer is the phone call to God and meditation is the answering machine. So when I am in meditation and sometimes I can't even muster more than one minute, I sometimes do, I don't have the headspace even to last a minute, but I do know that I, something happens where I get downloaded information. Hey, don't forget about that. Like, I feel like I'm being spoken to and I don't mean this in like a kooky way. Like, I just mean that like, I am, I slow down enough to be reminded, oh, maybe this. And like, sometimes it's a punchline. Sometimes it's a like, oh, don't forget to do that thing. You know, it's like, Mm -hmm. it's almost like it's, it's, it's speaking to me in a way. And I find that that answering machine tape is so powerful for me to set my day. I also know that if I'm about to have hard phone calls with people, my energy will shift to a much more solid place. Same thing with performing. Um, if I could literally just meditate for one minute before I go into mm. the show, I feel like I'm empowered in a in a, just a more centered way because I, my feelings get hurt all the time, whether I'm walking into a show and you have to deal and we're dealing with comedians. 
They might be stoned. They might be having a moment. They might be going through a breakup. They didn't see you. They didn't say hi. Maybe they've got something. They've got something else going on in their mind. And that's why you weren't received in the best possible way. Or somebody says something about your set on stage and it fucking like, it can be very painful for me sometimes to even be in a, in a, or I've driven a long way and I hate driving and I'm rattled by the drive. And you know what I mean? Like I, or I'm working out something new and it doesn't go well. Like I can take it all so fucking personally. And it's like, I really, it's hard for me to keep my feet underneath me. And so that meditation helps me to get, to be like, I, it's okay. You deserve to be here. Mm-hmm. You're a person having experience. It's okay. And that's, I mean, that's making a conscious contact with something. And, you know, question 11 is what is your relationship with your higher power or a higher power? And what does it look like? What is, what, is your conception of the terminology you don't have to label it but wh- what do you use in place of the, the so DMD? i have a, i have a i have a god of my not understanding i do not yes. understand um i when i first came to uh recovery i had santa claus i was like bitch i want this get me my shit mm-hmm. i still can slide into that a lot like a little like where's my shit how come you know I, i've been very good how come i didn't get my shit um my my one of my sponsor calls it um oh my god bellboy or hitman where it's just totally like bring me my shit or go kill that person do you know what i mean <laughs> bellboy hitman uh, bellboy hitman and i'm just oh i love a bellboy hitman um so yeah so i and what's hard is that like because through the process of getting shot there was some stuff that happened around that that felt very controlled by a higher power. And I can't get into all of this stuff, but it felt Mm. so choreographed that it felt like a higher power was orchestrating it, which was why I was like, why did you do that? Like, why did you make that happen? Why was that there? So in fracturing that relationship to a higher power, I thought that I maybe needed to go to like agnostic meetings or something, which completely exist and they're available to people. My experience was... I went and everybody seemed even more untethered. And I was like, oh my God, I can't. Like, I like I, I think that my version is, I have to know that it's there, but that like, I don't understand it. Yeah. I don't know why there's genocide and rape and baby cancer. I don't know why there's guns. I don't know why terrible things happen. I don't know why people die. I don't know why people come to this program and still die in their car alone. I don't mm-hmm. know why. I don't know why. And that's mm-hmm. the only thing that kind of, helps me to go, I don't know what's happening right now. I yeah. don't know what's happening. Aww, I love that. Damn, we did it. We, we did we it. reached the last question, Melanie. 12, 12, 12. What, what is the one thing you would um, tell somebody just like you in the world? Oh, uh, uh, I, I would, I would say that, um, to just try and get comfortable, just try and get comfortable, and um, and and listen to your discomfort, you know. And I, I do know that I I do have to move outside of my comfort zone at times, mm-hmm. but that I don't have to like force myself to be uncomfortable to get stuff done. Like I'm not sure I'm, you know. And like I said, like I'm I've been doing this life thing and and career thing a long time, and I can tell you right now pushing like crazy didn't make it happen any faster Mm -hmm. pushing 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 like crazy and being uh you know not kind uh to myself or the people around me did not make fame happen faster it didn't make success happen faster it didn't make me more money 
Um, I like I, I really just need to like uh, get comfortable. Um, and I do know I have to push those limits from time to time, but still for short periods of time. It, like I, I've, I have burned out. I have quit things. And I really wish that I hadn't. I wish I had just rested as opposed to just driving myself into the ground like a crazy person. Melanie, this podcast was everything I needed. <laughs> I'm just telling you. Like, Thank what you for I... coming to my TED Talk. Thank oh, you. Oh, it's so good. You're so amazing. Aww. Oh, my gosh. Where can people find you and all the things that you do? The one woman uh, that you are. MelanieVessi.com always has, you know, my, my shows. You know, I perform regularly both online and now more uh, in person. Uh, you can watch my comedy stuff there, videos, movies and stuff I've directed. Also, too, you know, always keep up with me through there. And then my company, Promotional Rescue, who I work with, what I do, uh, I teach people how to promote themselves without feeling gross, uh, because that is why it's so challenging. <laughs> That's my goal. The that without is feeling gross. I was just like shut up and take my money like, yeah I, well because that's that was the number one thing that people would say to me i just feel gross yeah. doing this and and i'm like i know but i and 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 that's also too about what i would say about the, the comfortable thing because it's like how can i just set you up to do this enough long term because the big push for short periods of time and then retracting doesn't help how can you just continually drip it out drip it out drip it out and at your own pace you know what i mean and we are gonna have to do some stuff that's a little uncomfortable but you you gotta you gotta take care of yourself. You really have to take care of yourself. Balance, baby. I love it. I love it. Dave, where can people find you? Find me on all social media at Yates Comedy, Y-A-T-E-S Comedy. And if you would like to purchase hot sauce, you can go to hahahotsauce.com. And it's worth every drop. It's delish. So good. It's so good. And uh, if you'd like to find me, you can find me at Anna B is Fun, Twitter, Instagram, uh, Facebook page, uh, all the things. Uh, not Gmail, though. Weird. That's Anna Valenzuela Comedy. And you can also go to AnnaValenzuelaComedy.com. Uh, and uh, I, you can get all of my show dates and everything. And I did update it. What? What am I... <laughs> A professional ah. and you can find everything you want for this podcast 12q pod on all the social medias uh our gmail our everything is 12q pod 12q 12q pod um hit us up we would love to do a fan questions um episode and you can ask us like literally anything and we will answer it that'd be really fun and um how we end this podcast every time is Melanie, if nobody's told you this today, we love you. Oh my God, I say the same thing too. I love you guys too. And I'm excited to see you out in the in the real world. I hope we're on a show together soon. Yes. I, I'm, I'm hoping, I'm hoping, I'm hoping. Yes, yes, yes. And Dave, if nobody's told you this today, we love you. Love you, Dave. Oh, whatever, whatever. And if you're listening to this and nobody's with this today, we love you. Love you. Don't fuck it up. You're doing great. Yes, you're doing great. Yeah, you're doing better than you feel. <laughs>